We're beginning a, a series on breaking the cycle of suffering. Um, this cycle can be known by different names. It can be known by Patichu Samuppada. It can be known by dependent co-arising. It can be known as the cycle of samsara. When we look at that, um, that beautiful picture that was on the Facebook page of the Wheel of Life, where there's Lord Yama who's on the outside holding the wheel, and there's the Buddha on the upper right-hand corner and pointing to a bodhisattva on the left-hand corner, and then there's this wheel. The Wheel of Life is the outer rim, and if you count, there's 12 links in that outer rim, each of them corresponding to different links in this chain of the cycle of dependent origination. When we, when we bring our attention to this, there's um, a complicated way of, or it's a complex teaching, it's not a simple teaching, and it takes a lot of um, clarity and determination to keep coming back to our somatic experience of it so that we don't just get tangled up into a, into a pretzel, which is really easy to do because it's, it's conceptually a little bit complicated and not so easy to stay in relationship with how we're directly experiencing it. But one of the things that's helpful to understand, if we go back to that wheel of life and we look at Lord Yama, who's the Lord of Death, you know, the Lord of Death is, is, is holding, has got his, his fangs and his teeth in this whole wheel. And then on the inside of that 12 links, there's six different realms. And each of those six different realms corresponds to one of the different kind of realms that we can be born into. Now, in traditional Buddhist way of looking at these six realms, these six realms can be understood as actual designations that we go to after we, are, we die, we physically die, our body dies, and the karma ripens and emerges into one of these six realms. In our contemporary world and in the way Buddhism is taught in a secular uh, context, it's uncommon that people speak about these realms as actual designations but they can talk about them more in terms of psychological states that we can know and experience in our daily life. The experience of, of the human realm, where we have choice, where we can keep precepts. The experience of the, the animal realm, where we, we are governed by instincts. The, the experience of the hell realm, where we are overwhelmed with confusion or doubt or anger or greed or craving. The experience of the warring gods realms, where there's competition and jealousy and envy. And the experience of the heavenly realm, which is just the, the hunger or the longing the, for pleasure, refinement, beauty, exquisiteness, where things happen, where they're fair, where there's justice, where there's no suffering. The heavenly realm is characterized by a profound absence of suffering. But the thing that's very noteworthy about the Buddha's teachings is, is that the Buddha is not encouraging us to find our way towards heaven. The Buddha keeps pointing to the fact that even in heaven, heaven is a transitory realm. It is not a secure refuge. Heaven is a conditioned experience that comes, lasts for a while, and then it ends. And when it ends, 
then we are back into the cycle of samsara. We are back once again having to navigate the entire world experience of all of these different things that we can know in our human experience. Now, in a traditional context, when we're looking at these as actual designations, the same is true in the sense that the Buddha does not encourage people to practice in order so that they can be reborn in the heavenly realms. Because the heavenly realms as a designation is impermanent. It lasts for a while, and then when it's gone, there's a tremendous sense of remorse about having had all of this pleasure and not used it for the benefit of awakening. And when one leaves the heavenly realm, one is right back into the cycle. And the cycle is highly dependent on the causes and the conditions based on one's intentions and the impact of one's intentions as to where one gets reborn again. So the cycle of karma is complex, and, but it does give rise to a rebirth in another realm. And so the human realm, which we are physically part of, is a combination of a place of suffering where we experience all of these psychological states. We experience pain and grief and sorrow. We experience anger and jealousy. We experience competition. We experience our bodies getting older. We experience our loved ones making choices that we can't understand or feel comfortable with. We experience incredible pleasure and joy and beauty. We experience the possibility to live with an altruistic intention. We experience the ability to practice and to understand our minds and to be able to make choices so that we are no longer creating the causes of suffering for ourselves and for other people and so that we are no longer in this cycle of being turned around and around and around and again. And so the Buddha was really clear and repeatedly clear that he was not interested in us having a good day. He was interested in us being completely and utterly free from all traces of suffering. He did not want us just to live in abundant well-being and pleasure. He wanted us to see the causes of suffering, to understand them, and to begin to unpack them so that we were actually living without suffering, not creating suffering, and we were not living in suffering. It's a radical vision. The vision of awakening is a radical vision. And so when we look at the Buddha's teachings, when he's talking about the power of the Buddha's teachings is, that, is the inquiry into where suffering is actually arising from and to understand the causes, and to, as we understand the causes, to begin to start unpacking the mechanism of suffering so that we can be able to be present and not suffer. It's a radical vision. It's a radical vision. And it's not a vision that you see posted on billboards. People are not talking about not suffering. They're talking about pleasure. They're talking about avoiding pain. They're talking about having things that bias a temporary sense of security. They're not talking about a radical vision of a complete and total ending of all traces of suffering. This is the realm of meditation practice. 
And one of the blessings of being part of the Buddhist tradition is that we have a superlative map and extraordinary instructions that point us to how exactly do we need to cultivate and pay attention so that we can notice this whole arising of suffering and pay attention so that it ceases. So in the Buddha's first discourse of the discourse of the Four Noble Truths, the Buddha elucidated that suffering comes from the experience of being born. It comes from the experience of having things that we don't want. It comes from having, not having what we want. And we can see that, you know. We can see how that comes up in our daily life, you know, a thousand times a day. How we can want the coffee to be hotter and we can not want it to be foggy and we can want it to rain and we can not want it to rain and we can want it to be snowing. We can want the snow to be powdery and we not want it to be so wet and we can want to have certain things for breakfast and we can not want to have certain conversations. You know, it's an endless cycle of wanting and not wanting. And so the Buddha goes on to say that there's these different kinds of wanting and this desire is actually the kind of the place from which we can begin to notice what's actually going on here. So when we start looking in more depth, we can see that the problem isn't the snow and the weather and the problem isn't the coffee and the problem isn't my ache in the knees and the problem isn't those things. The problem is not wanting them to be there. We don't want what we're experiencing and that resistance and that not wanting of what we're experiencing is what has us tied into a pretzel into a knot that has us being born into craving and clinging and then wanting to have what we want this incredible grasping that gives rise to birth and so in this sense the birth is not birth into another life it's the birth into a mind state of wanting you know getting your teeth sunk into that sweet pastry that's dripping with sh- sugar and filled with chocolate you know that wanting to have a sense of security that wanting so the whole thing with the with the with this, the four noble truths is that it's a real clarity about the way suffering is formed, and then it's a real clarity about how to look at it. So Patichu Samapada, the cycle of suffering, is an expansion on the second noble truth, the actual cause of suffering. And so when we start looking at it, you know, for me, it's actually easier to begin not in the place of ignorance at the at, at what is often found as the top of the cycle because it's very hard for us somatically to get a feeling for what ignorance is. It's hard for ignorance to see itself. But what we can do is we can begin to start looking at how contact influences feeling. Feeling instigates craving. And these things then couple and make this whole kind of snowball effect and so in our capacity to be present with contact and feeling and craving, then we open up the space so that rather than it being a snowball, we have choice. And when we have choice, then we can see how we are navigating that choice. It's not just based on compulsion. It's not just based on habit. It's not just based on the strongest 
sing, shouting, the loudest, dominating. It's based on discernment. And so we can see that, you know, when we are a little bit more settled, a little bit more collected, when we bring presence of mind to what it is that we're experiencing, and we notice the contact, the contact with a sight. I was just out this morning, it snowed, and this morning it was 19 degrees out, and so there are these kind of like exquisite crystals on top of the snow and and the sun is out so yesterday it was all gray and the sun is out and the sky is absolutely beautiful blue so you have like eight inches of poofy white snow these beautiful crystals this blue sky and then all these fantastic red rocks and so when you're looking at this you can you can feel the way your eye feels pulled out of its socket that there's a wanting. It's like, I can't get enough of it. I can't feel filled up enough with the beauty of what it is that I'm looking at. It's spectacularly beautiful out right now. And yet when I drop back into my body, when I relax a little bit, when I can see the sight, but then notice the contact, notice the pleasure Notice that wanting, 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 wanting. I can notice the wanting without being compelled to engage in wanting. I can watch it. But I can't do that when there's no stillness, when there's no collectedness, when there's no presence that's just observing There's got to be the ability to notice contact, the ensuing feeling, and the experience of craving that comes. And so we have heard a million times and in many different ways that mindfulness is the path to the deathless. Mindfulness is not the only thing that we need to get to the deathless. But it is a path, it is a component of the Eightfold Path that brings us into the possibility that we can be in such incredible beauty and just allow it to be, not be pulled by it, not be anxious from it, not be craving more, but just be in the beauty and allowing it to be. So one of the significant factors of this 12 links of dependent origination is bringing mindfulness to contact, to feeling, and to that first impulse of craving, of watching, of seeing, of noticing the pull to want more, the push to avoid, the tendency to space out, to disappear, to numb out, to distract ourselves, to get busy because we don't feel comfortable being with what's going on right now. And let's have another couple moments of meditation. So again, wherever you are, Just gathering in and noticing what's present, noticing reactions, 
noticing body sensations, noticing levels of interest and excitement, or dullness, tiredness, fatigue. Opening awareness to receiving what is. Receiving what is an awareness that is non-judgmental, spacious, allowing. And as we receive what is in awareness, notice if it changes, how it changes, in what way it changes. bringing to mind an image of somebody that you know cares about you, has only your best interest at heart. Imagining looking into their eyes as they're looking into your eyes. That they're just absolutely delighted to see you. So happy to see you. And in their eyes, you can see that the only thing that they want is for you to be well. for you to have what you need, for you to have all the support that you need, the encouragement, the friendship, the opportunities, so that you can flourish, so that the confusion and fear and doubts can fall away. Looking at them, looking at you, and letting in their love, their care their kindness, goodwill, for wanting the best. Letting your nervous system bathe in that care and kindness and goodwill until you know that for yourself, what it is to be loved, to be cared for. To have the best at heart to have your back. And here we all are, people speaking on phones all across the country. Each of us with bodies and hearts and minds, with complexity and confusion and doubt. Each of us with an aspiration to awaken. Each of us with success each of us will challenge. And bringing that same quality of care and kindness and good wishing to each other that we also can feel in our support, in our community, in our inquiry, in our practice together, that well-wishing. Allowing the nervous system to unravel, the muscles to unravel, letting it in. That we are part of a community that is supportive, that is loving, and that is focused on awakening.
and together allowing this field of goodwill, of loving kindness, of positive regard to flow out into our homes, our households, the land that supports us, our neighbors, our colleagues at work, the people that we are aware of who are in need, the people who are aware of who are triggering or activating need, and just letting this heart of loving kindness spread out over everyone, everywhere, throughout time and space, omitting no one, omitting nothing, so that the whole world, the whole universe is suffused with the same quality of loving kindness that only wants the best, wants to bring forward the conditions that support the ending of all suffering. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.